0: Two themes jump out at me from this text. The two themes are this. We receive the gifts of God from the earth. Second, we were made by God to be gifts for the earth. We were made from the earth for the earth, you might say. The text opens by noting that Adam is made from the dust of the ground. There's a tight connection here, a play on words. Adam is made from the adama. You might say that humans are made from the humus. Earthlings are made from the earth. Now, adama refers to arable soil as distinct from a par, maybe topsoil. If we want to extend this further, we might even say that farmers are made from the farmland. Gardeners are made from the garden. It means that we are part of the earth, and the earth is part of us. For as God breathed into the dust, we became living creatures. We move through this earth, the air, the water, and the land. We breathe air that has circulated around the world, has been produced by plants. We drink water that evaporated from the oceans, was condensed over the mountains, fell as rain into the plains, and now that water courses through our bodies. Eating is an agricultural act, for in eating we consume the goodness of the earth and the energy of the sun as it has been photosynthesized into the plants that we eat. But not only were we made from the Adama, verse 19 points out that the birds and the animals were also made from the adama, the adama or the soil is the great connector. It connects us with all other living creatures. Perhaps it isn't surprising then that on nice days we long to get out into the garden or to the park or go to the lake, or that more people visit zoos in a single year than all the people who attend sporting events, or that there are 50 million bird watchers. For to be human is to be connected to all of God's creation. Creation also provides the context for you and I to embrace the nature of salvation as the new creation. For we see throughout the Old Testament that not only did God create us together with all creatures and tie us all together, but in Genesis 9 he makes a covenant not only with Noah and his family, but with every living creature on earth. And that covenant is repeated throughout the Old Testament, whether it be Isaiah 11 or Hosea chapter 2. And so when the Creator became a creature, in order to reclaim, restore, and renew His creation, He came to start with us. It's kind of interesting. In the first creation, he begins with the earth, and the creation culminates with the creation of human creatures. But now when it comes to the reclaiming of creation, God begins by reclaiming and renewing his human creatures and then moves to the entire creation. So the line goes from creation to incarnation to resurrection of the body to the new creation. And so even now as we receive life from creation, so we receive our new life from creation, whether it be the water or the bread or the wine. As God breathed life into dust, so on the last day he will once again breathe life into the dust of our bodies, that we might become new creatures. The connection continues. For as our bodies are raised from the last day, our resurrected bodies will bring with them all of creation, according to Romans 8. We receive life and the gifts of God from creation. We are also, though, created to be gifts for the earth. The passages immediately before verse 7 highlight the point that there were no shrubs in the field, no plants on the earth, because there was no human person to tend them. After God created Adam, he puts him in the garden for a purpose, to tend it and to keep it. You almost might wonder if the reason God created us, the purpose for which God created us, was to attend to His earth. Now, to work it, you have the word avad, to cultivate, to work it, although it also can mean to serve. I'm kind of intrigued by that because perhaps it suggests that we are not masters of the earth in the sense of being able to cause it to be fruitful or bountiful. It's God's word of blessing that brings about the fruitfulness of the earth. And perhaps avad, to serve the earth, recognizes our dependence upon God's blessing that brings the fruitfulness of the earth. And similarly, the second word, shamar, to guard or to keep or to preserve or to protect, likewise recognizes that our task is to, in some ways, stay out of the way and allow God's earth to produce the bounty that he intended it to produce. But here, too, we can see a line of connection from Genesis 2.15 to Matthew 28. We have what some would call the First Great Commission and the Second Great Commission. In the First Great Commission, God enlisted us to be his co-workers, his co-creators, you might say, with regard to the creation in which we now live. In the Second Great Commission, he once again enlists us to be co-workers and participants, but this time in ushering in the new creation. As the Word of God brought forth the first creation, So the word of God, the gospel, brings in the new creation. So you and I, in a sense, have two great commissions, and they are not disconnected. In a post-fall world, we carry out the first great commission of serving, cultivating, working, protecting, and guarding the earth to hold it together. To begin its healing. Even as we proclaim the word that now creates new human creatures in anticipation of ushering in the new creation when our Lord Jesus Christ returns upon the last day. So, we receive God's gifts from the earth, the gift of the first creation and the gift of the new creation through his Son, Jesus Christ. And we, in turn, are enlisted to be gifts for the earth, both for the well-being of our fellow human creatures and non-human creatures, and gifts for the earth in the new creation, as those who herald and proclaim the word of God, the gospel, that creates the new human race, who then bring with them their new creation on the last day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.